Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com, and I'm pleased to be speaking again with Philip Ruttinger, Deputy Undersecretary of the Department of Homeland Security's National Protection and Programs Directorate. Welcome back, Phil. Thank you, Eric. It's good to talk with you. Last month, the department issued a paper entitled Enabling Distributed Security in Cyberspace that outlines a cyber ecosystem which can be defended through three security building blocks, automation, interoperability, and authentication. Please briefly summarize the paper's main points. The thing that we want to achieve in the paper is a broader technical and public conversation about how we move to, if you will, a new normal. The truth about the Internet right now is that offense wins. If somebody wants to break into your computer and they have the time and resources to apply, they will be able to get in. If you want to defend your computer completely, you better not connect it to the Internet, not use it, and not even power it on. So we've got to get to a different place. We are no longer in the world where people just use their computers for sending email and writing documents and watching the silly video online. Um, it's important to be able to fill out your March Madness brackets, but that's not the key here. The key is that we depend on computers for everything that we do now, for having the power stay on, for having our transportation systems flow, for being able to communicate at the most basic level, including calling emergency services if you're in trouble. We, in that kind of world, cannot continue to depend on an ecosystem an Internet, an electronic communications ecosystem that is fundamentally insecure. We need to change the game and get to an environment where we can depend on communications and information technology to be there when we need them. And the paper is about a series of what may seem to be small changes, things like making authentication more broadly available so we can make effective judgments, increasing automation so that both we and our devices can operate at the speed of attacks, because attacks now promulgate very quickly, as we like to say in this space, at machine speed, and increasing interoperability so we can collaborate effectively together, not just on a person-to-person level, but on device-to-device level. So the only barriers to our working together or having our devices work together on our behalf are those that we choose to have as opposed to those that are imposed on us by policy. So if we do all those things, those differences work together to create what amounts to a kind difference, an Internet ecosystem that is capable of, like the human body, defending itself and responding to the broad set of instructions that come from many people to work together to achieve a a different level of security. Is this something that would be just issuing a series of best practices, or would there be some fundamental changes that government would be actively involved in, private sector be actively involved in, some kind of collaboration? I think there need to be a series of some small, some big changes over time. It's not a single switch you flip and say, now we're there. It's the long, hard work of building these mechanisms into the ways we work together, into the ways our devices work together. For example, one of the things that we need is much broader use of strong authentication in a way that actually enhances privacy. What I mean by that is it's possible right now for you to strongly identify yourself or for your device to strongly identify itself. But what we don't have is the broad ways to do it cheaply so that if you're setting up a business, it's really easy for you to strongly authenticate anybody who wants to get access to your system in a way that doesn't require significant effort by you. It's just too hard. Automation, we've got the seeds of allowing devices and people to work with devices in a very automated way. 
In particular, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, along with a number of partners, including both DHS and the National Security Agency, and many people in the private sector, has worked to advance something called the Security Content Automation Protocol that allows for us to set particular types of policy for security content, it's called, for devices in a way that is portable across whatever vendor you want to use. We've got to continue to do that sort of work so that you know, anybody who is running a network can say, well, I want to implement this policy, and they could do so, and it didn't matter what technology they're using, they could get it done rapidly and easily. There's similar things true for interoperability. Interoperability is about making sure that we and our devices can work together effectively, again, across vendor platforms. So what is Homeland Security's role in this? Well, part of this is the convener of the conversation. We think this is a fundamental change that needs to take place, and the paper is actually talking about an Internet ecosystem that is in many ways, I don't know if I'd say immune from, but opposed to command and control. It's a highly distributed system that doesn't involve one entity saying, thou shalt do, and suddenly it's secure. It's lots of different devices and people working together to make sure we achieve that the ends that we want. So we want to, one, start the conversation. Two, work with our partners in government and industry to make sure we are moving down that path. So, for example, we all need to work together in standards bodies to continue to expand international standards that will support security to be broadly automated and interoperable, like is already done in security content automation protocol. We want to look towards and drive ourselves towards living in a world where authentication, interoperability, and automation are together. So let me tell you one thing that we'd like to be able to do. Right now, the U.S. Computer Emergency Readiness Team, or it's commonly known as U.S. CERT, and that's our operations center, our operations analytical center for information technology, publishes both bulletins regularly. So if something bad happens or is about to happen, and we will publish some advice to people, ways that they can mitigate it, or things that they should look for. So right now, it's a, you know, maybe it's a page or two pages or three pages of text that, for example, an individual or more likely a systems administrator can read and say, hmm, this is interesting. I better uh, load this information into my firewalls or my intrusion detection systems, or I want to look for something on my computers to see if there's something bad that's happening. We want to get out of that game. Not that we don't want to warn people, but we don't want to give them a document anymore, except as explanatory text. We want to give them a bunch of bits, what we would think of as an XML blob, sensible markup language, so a set of text that they can just say, and they can read the piece that goes with it, say, oh, this is important. And you can just run that XML blob, give it to your firewall, give it to your um, computers, give it to your intrusion detection system, and then they can start to look for the things that they should look for. And what's more, if we build this ecosystem out, any of those devices could then say, for example, oh, something bad just about happened. A firewall could spot an attack on the way in based on that data and say, I've got an alert. Something bad has happened. And that firewall or the device that it's operating on could pass that data data back to the, the systems administrator who's running that network or to DHS or to some other entity so we could have real situational awareness about what's happening on our networks. Our site, of course, goes out to people who are in government, who are CISOs and others in, in those positions who help defend IT. We also have sites that go out to healthcare as well as banking. To our readers, what do you want from them? I think this is something that they ought to pay attention to. For people involved in making decisions about where they're going to put their resources and where they should help drive technology as a participant, 
I want them to think about these issues. I want them to think about the fact, well, you know, if I were able to strongly authenticate people, say I'm an online banking site, and I didn't have to worry about some particularized solution, but I could, I could go out and say, I just want, I want people to be able to strongly authenticate themselves, and I could depend on a broad ecosystem that would enable them to do that. So I could just say, you have to strongly authenticate yourself. I wouldn't have to give them technology. I wouldn't have to program my devices any differently. I could just turn a bit. I could flip a, you know, a computer switch and be able to accept that. Starting to demand that, starting to install that, starting to look for ways to enable strong authentication is important. Starting to make demands not only on their information services providers, but us on government to move in this direction so that we can enhance the overall security of the ecosystem. You said it's not flipping a switch. These are, 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 are small changes or individual changes that are made. Do you see a time frame for this happening where we're in this new ecosystem? Well, I think it needs to happen more quickly than more slowly. You know, I don't think this is ever going to be a place where we get to the end point and say, well, we crossed the finish line, problem solved. We need to make progress regularly, and indeed progress is being made. The Secretary of Commerce earlier in the year went out to California and discussed with Howard Smith, the cybersecurity coordinator, the national strategy for trusted identities in cyberspace. That's a piece taking us down the road for strong authentication. The ongoing work around the security content automation protocol at NIST and all of the companies that are working with it moves us down the road. We need to worry not about saying when we're going to get there, but are we making progress day to day and month to month, year to year? Will there be another report or some kind of document once we get to this point? There are going to be a number of steps. One of the things that we've committed to do in the paper is we've asked for feedback. I would urge your listeners, particularly those who are interested in the technology, to send us comments. They send an email to cyberfeedback at dhs.gov. We'll take that, and we've committed to publishing a follow-up paper. So let me add that as an ask to your listeners. Read the paper. Tell us what you think. Tell us where you think it hits the mark and tell us where you think it doesn't and send us data, send us information, and we're going to publish a new paper. We've also committed to preparing, based on the feedback we get and other discussions, an action plan that we intend to move forward on. We're thinking about a variety of things from different ways that we can pilot this activity, how we can move forward to spread the security content automation protocol. And, for example, you know, how we can take the National Strategy for Trusted Identities in Cyberspace which tends to focus a little bit more on people and start to say, yeah, now how do we extend that to devices? Because one of the things about the Internet that's really interesting that I'm sure some of your listeners have thought about, everything on the Internet is, as I say, action at a distance. Even if I'm talking to you on the phone, Eric, as opposed to face-to-face, if we were face-to-face, I could recognize you. When I talk to you over the phone, you know, we've talked before, I hear your voice, I have a pretty strong idea as you. But when we're talking online, it's really hard to do any of those things, particularly if it's not if there's not a biometric element to it. If I'm not looking at the video from you and I'm not listening to your voice over an IT voice connection, you could be anybody. It's the same with software and devices. You know, anybody can lie about who they are, and on the internet, it's really, really easy to do that. It's hard to touch and feel things. So. While, you know, I, I may have loaded a piece of software, even on my home computer, while I'm sitting there typing, I can't touch it and feel it. I don't know if it's been changed in some way. Unless we can strongly authenticate things online, we don't really know who we're talking with or what device we're speaking to. So we can't make effective decisions about whether to trust that or not. It's easy to get lost in 
the technology pieces of this. We talk about interoperability and automation and authentication and having more healthy devices, and it may appear like it's too far off or too ethereal to make a difference. But these things make a real difference. We actually, as I said before, do depend on these devices, on the Internet, you know, and everything, not even just so much anymore, just for our power and for our phones, but we depend on them for our television. And unless we can solve this problem, unless people start to really pay attention to the threat and how we need to drive fundamental change, we're going to be in a world that gets worse from day to day and month to month and year to year. And we're going to be at a place eventually where your television's going to complain that it's being attacked by your refrigerator and isn't able to operate anymore. None of us wants to live in that world, so it's really important to pay attention, uh, even to the technical elements of the discussion, and tell us what you think. That's Phil Reitinger, Deputy Undersecretary of the Department of Homeland Security's National Protection and Programs Directorate. You'll hear more in part two of my interview with Reitinger. In the second part of our conversation, Reitinger answers those who feel the government isn't providing enough IT security leadership. He also addresses efforts to recruit more cybersecurity experts, as well as initiatives aimed at getting federal, state, and local governments to collaborate on IT security. Till then, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.